The Cal Halbert Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. I hope you're well. I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You're fabulous. Don't change. This week's guest is India Willoughby. India is a regular on the likes of This Morning, Good Morning Britain. She was the first transgender newsreader over in Channel 5, the first in Britain at least. I I think we covered this, whether it was Britain or the world. 100% the first in Britain, uh, highly likely the first in the world. That's what I'm saying anyway. Uh, She was also the first transgender co-host of Loose Women, and she's a very, very lovely lady, and I hope you enjoy this show. So here we go. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview with India Willoughby. The Cal Halbert Podcast. So I'm pleased to say that on the podcast today, I've got the wonderful, the fantastic, the spectacular India Willoughby. Hello, India. Hello, Cal. Can you build it up a little bit more? I don't think that's enough. <laughs> the stupendous. The uh, it. I, I can't think of any more <laughs> adjectives. <to laughs> <laughs> How have you been? Are you well? I'm good, Cal. At least as, as good as can be expected in these uh, weird and strange times. I'm finding it a little bit more difficult second time around. Yeah. Because whereas first time around it was a good laugh and, you know, you kick back and you watch Netflix and... The good old days sort of, of the Tiger King. That's what we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> God, Joe. Weren't they happy times? And just slobbing around in your jamas. It's terrific, but uh, you know this time it's a bit more serious and um, yeah, not not as much fun. Not for me anyway. What about you? No, no, it, it uh, very much the same because uh, we were saying just before we started recording and that it was uh, it was good fun the first first lockdown and then we we are kind of milking the fact that you, oh, oh i don't have to feel guilty that i've got a distinct lack of work on uh, and then you go everything was put on pause in the first lockdown and yeah. now things are being stopped <laughs> so it's just right. it's the concern isn't it yeah that's right we're all going to end up um delivery drivers i think <laughs> working for, for mr bezos <laughs> Well, India, you are best known as uh, a journalist, as a newsreader. Uh, you featured on Celebrity Big Brother. You're a regular on This Morning and Good Morning Britain. Uh, but let's start right at the beginning. You were the first transgender newsreader at Channel 5. Is that right? That's right. Um, Britain's first transgender news. And as far as I know, um, and I have tried to double check this, I think I'm the world's first we will say we will say you were the world's first. Let's go for the world's first. Definitely world's Britain, but you first. are the world's first. <laughs> That's right. Oh, for the, to have those days again. The times have changed now. I don't. I don't think that, that could happen now. But um, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm proud of that. That was a good achievement. Why do you think it wouldn't happen now? Well, I, th- I think we're living in different times. And um, when I be- when I got hired by ITN, you know, to be a, a newsreader at Channel 5, trans wasn't the big deal that it is now. It was just quiet and um, it was groundbreaking and everything around trans was largely, you know, people were curious because trans people had never really been visible um, in the way that I was being visible, um, but there wasn't any toxicity around it but unfortunately I think I was just literally on the cusp of the wave I think it, it 
I hit the wave, the, the peak, just as the door was opening, yeah. it got slammed shut again by all the craziness that surrounds the subject. And obviously, you know, I want good things for trans people. But with that, you have got to have a degree of normality and common sense. And it's just gone haywire. I, even I now, and I'm not doing this, you know, I'm very open about my past and I'm, I'm happy to tell anyone um, about my um, situation, but I don't really identify with being transgender anymore because the, the actual definition, it's almost as if the word itself has been hijacked and redefined to mean something else. And all the causes that are being fought at the moment as trans rights, you know, um, self-ID, you know, you should be able to compete in the Olympics in, in women's sports, despite not transitioning. Transitioning has got nothing to do with it. All of that is completely alien to me mm -hmm. because transition, that's what trans is. Trans is transitioning. And I find it really sad that now when, when all these, people and these groups are making these arguments they never if you listen they never actually talk about people who are actually transitioning so trans now is more about not transitioning it's avoiding transitioning so it makes it very difficult while i i want to speak up <laughs> for trans people i definitely want good things for trans i should say real trans people people who are actually changing a hundred percent yeah um yeah. as much as they possibly can i find that really difficult because the word it's almost like it's being strangled by knotweed so if i can put it this way cal if, if you said okay we're gonna work, we're gonna rubber stamp trans rights just go through them yeah full trans rights for everyone so that means that well that's great for me and absolutely you know uh, how could I use it in like a man's bathroom or a changing room? It'd yeah. be ridiculous, absolutely preposterous. But if you rubber stamp those rights for me at the moment, just under that vague term trans rights, you're now letting in, you know, somebody who maybe dresses twice a week for other reasons, not because they were born that way. They might get a buzz or a kick out of it. And I don't want that, even as somebody who's trans, but it's all wrapped up in that one word, and nightmare so that was the long answer to why <laughs> i i could never see <laughs> at the moment a news network taking on another trans person because there would be so much controversy around it you would also have the, the situation where the employer would be worrying all the time that oh my god everyone's gonna have to be tiptoeing around making sure that they use the right word mm -hmm. um which again it's totally alien to, I don't know what, you know, all the they and them and Z and all these unusual words which never used to exist. Going back to what you were saying before, I, I think a news network, if they did hire um, a, a transgender newsreader, I don't think it would be possible without them making a big song and dance of look how good we are by hiring someone who is transgender, which then basically takes away the fact of someone getting there on their own merit on being a good journalist or a good newsreader yeah. on that. You just go, look, look what I've done. And then that allows the it opens the floodgates to the people going, well, we know why you're there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's you, yeah, you're just I'm checking so a box. You. you do you know that's that's yeah. what it's that's what it'll open the floodgates for.
Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Cal, because that's the way I tried to approach it. Um, I knew that it would be a, a big deal at the start when I first got the job at Channel 5 that mm -hmm. I was trans because it was the first one. And you expect that. But then I was thinking, well, that would just be like a three or four week one day it dies down and then you get on with your job. Yeah. Which is actually how it was for me personally. But but now I find that I'm living in this world where I've, I've been talking about this this week on Twitter. Whereas for me, it's something that that's I had to go through. I've done it. But that's it now. You know, I, I don't want to talk about it all the time. I don't want to make a big fuss about it. I don't want to be a professional trans person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas some people now are literally making the fact that they are trans their career. Mm -hmm. That's what gets the cash till chinging and the paycheck coming in and banging on. And I get a lot of stick because I, I've had it this week, actually, and it really got on my nerves. Um, you're a terrible role model. You know, why don't you march? Why don't you protest about this? Why don't you speak up about that? And, well, I've, for one reason, I've explained it because I don't identify with a lot of the things that the, the word trans has been hijacked and twisted into. But also just because... I'm not that sort of person. I just want, I just want a, a normal life. I just want to get on with my life. I don't want to make demands of society. I don't want people to have to rip down signs above toilets that say ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to change language. So we're living in a world of um, people who have periods and all this nonsense. You know, the message to trans people out there it's not me who's doing it wrong <laughs> the, the easiest way to win hearts and minds is just to fit in be a normal person and get along with people if you go around making demands and insisting that the whole structure of society as we know it which is male and female and i love the fact that we live in a gendered world if you go around wanting to destroy that and make this new society with new words and new language. And you have to ask people who what their pronouns are, or you have to wear a badge um, saying it. That's just vile and people will not go for it. You will not win over the public that way. I'm quite regular. I quite regularly call people mate. I'll just say, oh, hello, mate. Do you know, <laughs> and, and that is just my, that is just what I say. Do you know, it's, it's the yeah. same as pet or cocker or whatever it is. Do you know, I say, hello, mate. All right. And I've, I regularly call women mates. I regularly call men mates. I call anybody I meet mate. However, I have had times where I said, oh, hello, mate. And someone has taken complete exception to it. Those terms are unusual, aren't they? It's quite tricky. And I think it depends where you actually grew up in the country. Um, you know, different words have, have different meanings. See, I find, you know, are you all right, guys? If yeah. you're talking to a group... And it's just a mix of like men and women. I think that's perfectly fine. Why would anyone get upset? But obviously, if you're talking to a, a woman singularly and you say, <laughs> uh, you seem like a good guy to me, then it's completely different. I just find it interesting, you know, how, how words can have those different meanings. Like mate is another one. I think mate's probably a little bit more towards the masculine side, but I wouldn't get upset about it but some people would take it 
really serious. But I can, to be honest, Cal, I, I've been there myself, right? When, when, when you're actually changing and you're on the other, so I'm on one side now, mm-hmm. so I'm on the woman's side. But when I was literally 100% on the male side, where I knew, you know, I was feeling miserable and horrible and really sensitive about who I was and wondering, will I ever be accepted? Then at that phase, I was more sensitive, you know, to somebody calling me something. Yes. Because at, the, at that, in that period of time where I'm all mixed up and feel, feeling a bit vulnerable and, and fragile, it, it, it's, it's like touching a sore. Yeah. So I get why people like that can react that way. But what I have a problem with is when you have people, and I'm going to, you know, I don't like having to go at anyone and everyone should live their own lives. But when you get people like Eddie Izzard at the moment, who with the best will in the world is actually making no attempt whatsoever to transition yet is, you know, telling people to call him she, her, that he's a woman. Well, I, I, I get why that annoys people or causes friction. Yeah, I, I can see why that, that annoys people. And, and I also... It annoys me. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised. And I, I can totally, I also completely understand the argument of sex and gender, and they're completely different. Your sex is you're a man and you're a woman. Your gender, gender is fluid, which I, I believe, believe. Did you not uh, coin that phrase, the uh, gender fluid? I, well, they don't like this, Carl. <laughs> the hardline activists don't like this fact. But I actually, I actually invented gender fluid, and nobody is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to actually brag a little bit about here. Good. Um, Though it, though it wasn't, I didn't do this for bragging reasons or anything. I did this out of desperation, really. So I, I do claim that I invented the term gender fluid. I gave it in an interview very early on when my, fir- when my story first went public. And the reason was that I'd always known how I'd felt inside, but I tried to switch it off and ignore it. And I thought, you know, I had it under control. I could just get on and fitting in with life. And I fought genuinely really hard to be a boy and to be a man. If you could have, if somebody had offered me a pill to say that other side will go away. And from now on, you take this pill, you'll just be a guy and you'll never think like that again. You'll be normal. I just snapped their hands off Mm. because who wants all the grief that goes with it? But it, it didn't go away. It just got worse and worse and worse. And eventually you've got to give in. But at that point, I was terrified because this was before Caitlyn Jenner um, came out. And at the time, if you came out as trans, then it was almost guaranteed that you would lose your family, lose your friends, definitely lose your job, hmm. basically lose everything. So I was terrified of that. And I thought, how am I ever going to be myself? And then I came up with this idea and I thought, do you know what? What if I split my life in two in the real world and actually lived as two people at the same time? And that's what I ended up doing. So I left my job in TV. I was in Carlisle at the, at the time, which is on the northwest coast. Um, packed that in and I got a brand new job in Newcastle under a completely different name as somebody else um, and started living and working there and I was popping back and forth between Newcastle and Carlisle in the same week 
Yeah. So if anyone can claim to have uh, invented or come up with that phrase, it's definitely me. And I don't think anyone's done it like that before. So when you were in in uh, Carlisle, you were Jonathan, weren't you? Is that mm. right, Jonathan? And then when you were in Newcastle, uh, what? Because I I know the story about how you got your name India. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, that was um, obviously because I'd led this um, secret life for five years, being two people at once. It got to a stage where I thought I just thought this is crazy. You know, I know where I'm happy, and I know what's me. So why am I carrying on pretending to be this person um, that I never was? So <laughs> I'd have the dreaded talk with my mum, which was terrifying because you, you obviously it's a big thing and you don't know what's going to happen. And um, I, I told her um, and she was really, you know, she, she put her arms up. She was very supportive, yeah. Um, but obviously upset as well because it's it's the death of a child in some way, because for the, from the parents' perspective, they're never going to see really that person that, you know, they brought into the world that they grew up with and that they taught, nurtured and did all these things. That person in some ways, despite the fact that I was reassuring her that I, 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 would, I was still me, in some ways that person was going forever. Yeah. Um, so she had a couple of days where she was really upset and what have you. Um, I always say this as well. It's always tough for the, the friends and family on the outside of trans people more than the actual trans person, because the trans person has known mm. all their life. It's not a bolt from the blue. They, they know how they feel. Whereas the people on the outside, it comes <laughs> as a massive shock. Yeah. Um, so after she'd gone through these two or three days of, of grieving and being upset, I just went to her and said, look, I've been living under this fictitious name that I just picked to blend in Joanne. No offense to any Joannes, <laughs> by the way. But I just, <laughs> I just picked it because it wasn't a name that was going to attract attention. Do you know mm. what I mean? And I could just be a normal person. And I said, look, I picked this name. I said, I, it's not even a name that I particularly um, want to be with. And, you're my mum, I'm your firstborn. So if things had been right from the start, you would have picked it. So I want you to pick it. And so that's what she did. And thankfully, she picked a nice name. She came, can you believe this? Do you know what, do you know what her first choice was? What's that? She texted me, she said, oh, I've always liked um, Philippa. And I was thinking, you can't, don't pick a name like, that's just begging for... <laughs> abuse online if you pick something like that and um what was the next one well she also said came up with cara i think there was a um an actress in eastenders at the time whose right. real name was was cara with it with a c cara um and the other one which i quite like oh no there was two there was two other ones which i quite like Tuppence, which I thought, oh yeah, that's quite good. <laughs> but I thought, no, that's a bit, it's a bit like a drag name. You know, <laughs> but but there is apparently there is an actress called Tuppence, somebody. Um and what was the other one? Oh, I forgot what the other one is now. But yeah, anyway, I picked the best of the bunch. Oh, I absolutely. I think India's a lovely name. <laughs> 
I spoke to. It's funny, you know. You you have these conversations with your parents. You say, if if I was a girl, what would what would my name have yeah. been? And I've had this conversation with my mum. What would you have been? Well, I've got a brother and a sister, both younger, and my sister's called mm. Isabel, and I was going to be called Isabel if I was a girl. Ah. And then my brother, um, Alistair, he was going to be called Alistair or Isabel. And then my yeah. sister came along, and uh, my mum said, oh. If it was a boy or a girl, she was going to be called Isabel. We couldn't be bothered to think of another name. <laughs> it's a lovely name, actually. Let's have a look at this. You were also uh, the first transgender co-host on Loose Women, which was a, which must have been absolutely like mind blowing to get onto to Loose Women or any of those major shows on ITV. Yeah, I, I, again, I absolutely loved that. That was fantastic. I was I was very lucky. And uh, and very honoured that Loose Women asked me on um, before I got my job with Channel Five, actually, just to tell my story, and it was great. <laughs> I went on, and, and again, it was completely different from the times that we live in now. I yes. went on. I was able to sort of joke about my situation, you know, laugh at myself a little bit, tell trans gags, and the audience laughed, and they they loved it. And um, a week or so later, due to popular demand on social media with people saying, oh, you know, she was great, you know, get her on again, give her a chance to lose woman. They asked me back. Fantastic. So I went on as a fully fledged um, loose woman hosting the show with, it was with Ruth, uh, Eamon's wife. Um, who else was on that day? It was Martine McCutcheon. Um, and Janet Street Porter. And we had Lisa Marie Presley on Whoa. that day. And I'm a massive Elvis fan. So, oh, so am I. you were getting that close to, you know, Presley royalty um, was just fantastic. So, yeah, it was a dream come true um, to do that show. But again, you know, times have changed and sad as it seems. I know... Uh, one of the loose women, Sarah Khan, had said a couple of weeks ago, you know, it'd be great if there could be a trans loose woman. Mm-hmm. But I can't see that happening. I honestly, I would love it to. And e- even if it wasn't me, um, but I can't see it happening because there are no, there are no trans people mm-hmm. in these jobs. Um, and I don't think that's going to change for a while yet. It's it's sad, isn't it? Because I, I'm a gay man, so a, yeah. a, a, particularly with um, it's a sin that's been on TV recently has really opened a lot of people's eyes to how how terrible it was uh, being yeah. gay uh, and and in the LGBT uh, community and things. And it's just even just being gay was frowned upon, and you'd be sacked for being gay. Mm. But less than thirty years ago, that was still happening. And, uh, and, I, and I can see. I mean, to be honest, Cal, I, I see a lot of parallels. I, th- I think what you've just mentioned there is exactly where what if you've, you've got to see trans in that context. Trans is basically gay. You know your your experience now. So we're in that curve. Um, and it's just a way, it's a horrible thing. You know, I, sometimes when I whinge about this, people say, oh, you know, just give it time and uh, times will change and it will become okay or what have you. And I think, what, is there a waiting list? Is there a time period <laughs> that, that you've got to sit and just wait for the years to click? 
pull a that ticket at the butchers and just wait. Just sit there at the, yeah. the cheesemongers and stuff going, two, four, <laughs> all right, that's me. It's our time now, everybody. <laughs> Nuts. Oh, it is absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I think what's what's also really important as well, you mentioned that curve, is that you shouldn't forget the bits before the curve of what's happening as well. And that's why I think things like It's a Sin was is, is so important. Um, and not only It's a Sin, it's just that's the most uh, most recent uh, yeah. a, a piece that's come out, but likes of Years and Years and Queer as Folk and stuff like that. Mm. That All of that is important because without awful period of time we wouldn't be where we are today and I, and it's exactly like what what you're saying now is that your trans community is going through that curve and as you say is it is it just a conveyor belt of who's next you know what i mean it's not what you want yeah. that but it's it is just ludicrous isn't it it's absolutely crazy well the, the only thing is that I, I really hope that the period that we're going through we have as good music as the gays <laughs> did have in it's a sin because i haven't i haven't watched it yet i'm i'm, I'm gonna get round to it i want to blitz it all in one go but i think it's it's fairly unanimous good reviews oh it's spectacular of that show. spectacular i haven't seen anything negative and everyone's raving about the soundtrack um but yeah you know it, it is important to remember um people who are you know the pioneers and, and the early days. I mean, somebody in the in the, the trans world who actually who never gets any credit. And for me, they are they are the, the greatest trans person of all time. And that's a lady called um, Caroline Cossey. I don't right. know if you've heard of Caroline no, Cossey. And she she actually worked under the name Tula. And Caroline Cossey in the early seventies. Got hired as a model for lots of big campaigns, you know, like Bacardi and yes. you know Shizano Bianco and travel firms and all this sort of stuff, and ended up being a Bond girl wow. in for your eyes only. But she got exposed by the news of the world, and she was she was trans, mm-hmm. but she she transitioned quietly kept it secret, not told anyone, got on with her, her life and um, was, was very happy. And she got exposed in the news of the world. And like I, I've just said, you know, in the times when trans and when gay as well, you know, were a terrible thing. She got dumped by everyone, everything. She lost everything through no fault of her own. Um, but she went on, she met a guy, she actually met an Italian count an aristocrat and she wanted to marry him and she'd had, she'd fully transitioned and everything. And the law wouldn't allow it at the time. Said, no, you, you, it's, we class you legally as two men and you cannot marry. And she actually went to the European court of human rights Mm. and won the right. Fantastic. for, For trans people who have transitioned to actually marry a guy, or if you've done it the other way, um, to marry a woman. But what I find interesting though, Cal, is she was a great, she's still alive. I, I shouldn't use the past tense. She lives in America now. And we're friends. Isn't that great? That's awesome. We've actually made contact. So we're, we're friends now. Um, but she lives in, in America. But within the LGBT world, because she wasn't a top thumper, she didn't go on marches, mm. she didn't, you know, do the, the expected campaigning and what have you. She rarely, rarely 
gets a mention. And yet, to me, you know, she's almost, she is the real Princess Di of tea. Very successful, very dignified, and did good things, and won hearts and minds, but in a non-pushy way. I read a story um, about Jenny Murray, who was suspended from the BBC <laughs> after, oh she, after she wrote a piece yeah. in The Times regarding uh, an interview that she'd had with, you, with yourself. Uh, could, yeah. you, could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. Oh, what a dreadful day that was. Oh, God, I couldn't believe it. It was the day after... I've just mentioned I, I did Loose Women yeah. with Lisa Marie Presley. And... Um, the following day, the call came in and said, oh, would you like to do BBC Woman's Hour mm-hmm. um, and chat about becoming Britain's first, you know, trans loose woman? I says, oh, yeah, absolutely great. And I was on a high. I'd met Lisa Marie Presley. Everything in the papers was positive at the time. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. So um, I went, I actually did the interview down the line. I was sat in a studio mm-hmm. Um and I was sat in the studio and, the, and they hooked me up to BBC uh, Woman's Hour. And Jenny came on and she sort of said, you know, she did a little intro and she said hello to me. And I said, hi. And it was all bright and breezy. But then straight after her first question, it was like the temperature dropped from this normal, you know, the, the sort of, I was envisaging this sort of light, quite, you know, funny, like the sort of chat we're having now, <laughs> that conversation. And the first, I think the first question was, um, uh, India, you know, well done on being a loose woman yesterday. Um, did you find it difficult learning how to be a woman? What a ludicrous uh, question. Yeah. And I was thinking, what? And then the second question was, um, but how can you possibly handle being on a woman's show, talking about women's issues. Um, right. So it's getting colder and colder. <laughs> and then the third question was, um, have I, had I read these books by, I can't even remember the names actually, mm-hmm. of some famous, or in her world, um, feminists mm-hmm. who had this sort of critical gender theory. Well, no, I haven't. But it was it was almost like a test on you know what qualified me to be a woman or to be a loose woman. And then she brought up this, this story because my back was up by now. It was just like a horrible, horrible interview. To me, it sounds um, like she's bitter that she didn't get a call to be a loose woman. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it was. And um, there was a story in the time that Claridge's had had a complaint from customers, the posh hotel Claridge's in London. Mm. Um, Some customers had complained to the hotel that waiting staff, their grooming standards were slipping. Now, it's important to have in mind that the grooming standards was both the men and the women. But Mm -hmm. being BBC Woman's Hour and being Jenny Murray, Jenny was only interested in the women. So she said to me... um, you know, part of the thing here is that women um, should should be groomed well. Um, they shouldn't be dishevelled, and they should they shouldn't have hairy legs. Was one of the things. And so I, 
like the billions of women around the world who actually shave it. I said, absolutely right. I wouldn't like to be served my soup by somebody with hairy legs <laughs> or whiskers or something like that. You know, if you're in a top establishment, you expect top standards. But, oh, my God, she turned that into a, a poo store. And, yeah, it was just a horrible experience. It does just seem like an odd thing to bring up, isn't it? Because I, I don't know what... Um, what restaurants she goes to, but none of the waiters I've ever had, male or female, have come up to me and gone, oh, have a look at these legs. What do you think about these? Exactly. You know? <laughs> I've never, yeah. ever had that. And also, yeah. the majority of, if I've ever been lucky enough to go into a posh restaurant, the the waiting staff, nine times out of ten, all have to be clean-shaven. Um, have yeah. to have including the women. Yeah, including <laughs> the women. <laughs> All have to be clean shaven, and if they've got longer hair, has to be tied up or tied back. And that is yes. that is it's nothing to do with whether you're a man or woman. It is simply down to hygiene reasons. Of That's course, all it, it is. is. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I actually made the point to her, you know, that this edict from the hotel did apply to men and women, and that the guys were were told, you know, you can't serve on the floor. If you have a full beard, that's our rules. If you don't like it, go and work for another hotel, which, again, I think is fair enough. If you're in one of these posh places where you've got the jet setters or, you know, people having a day out, they expect a certain standard. Mm -hmm. um, and it's up to the employer what that is. It's got nothing. She's just, honestly, she's just a horrible, horrible ugh, person. <laughs> Well, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Celebrity Big Brother. How did that come about? Did you know who you were going in the house with? I didn't know who I was going in the house with. Um, though though I, I had an inkling because it wasn't long after Jenny Murray. And I know they tried to get Jenny Murray for that show right. for the season that I was in. But she wouldn't do it. Um, so instead of her, I think they got Rachel Johnson because she'd written a piece fairly recently that you know that was critical of, of trans people mm -hmm. so rachel johnson came in as um jenny murray's stand-in um but yeah celebrity big brother massive reality tv fan celebrity big brother has always been my favorite yeah and um it was like again i was so lucky during that period all the things <laughs> that my dreams were literally coming true i couldn't believe it so yeah absolutely i said i said yes um straight away um it was also was it not um deemed something like the year of the woman that of of that particular series series of the women because was it a hundred years since women got the vote was that is that yeah, right that, that's right it was it was um year of the woman all for, for those who don't know celebrity big brother um every season has a, a theme, you know, sometimes it's secrets and lies was one um, that I recall. So this year was, was Year of the Woman. And the idea being that you had initially a house with, um, I think it was eight, eight women from very different backgrounds going in. And then the guys, which had never been done before because normally the, the men and the women go in together. The guys were going to come in um, at the end of the first week. So 
yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And there was loads of build-up. It was in all of the magazines. It was in all the papers. It's called the world, you know, the year of the woman. That's going to be the theme. Yeah. And when you're involved in these shows, to be honest, the papers know a couple of weeks in advance exactly who is going in Mm -hmm. the house or exactly who is doing Strictly or the jungle. They know in advance of everyone else, but they sort of tease it out and they say such and such has been rumoured and what have you. So all that was going on. Everybody knew it was Jenna the Woman, um, came along. As I've said, it was my favourite show. I go in on the night and it was terrific. The crowd were there and they're whooping and there's lasers in the sky. And I think, oh my God, I'm actually walking up these steps (laughs) and I'm going to, and then the doors open and you go in the house and this is just fantastic. Um, And I went down, but then within 10 minutes, they, they, Rachel was already in the house and Anne Whitaker Mm -hmm. um, were in the house, but they they started misgendering me referring to me as he and him. <laughs> and so I was on a high because it, this was like my dream come true. And I was in a lovely dress and, you know, the makeup team had done me up and everything. I was feeling great. And it hurt, to be honest, Carl, it hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no excuse. They know it's like women only the first week. So why were they doing that? So initially I thought, well, don't make a fuss of it. So I, I, I ignored the first couple and just put it down to maybe they're getting, you know, it's just a slip of the tongue type of thing. But then he went on and on and on. So second day, Anne Widdicombe did it. And so I took her in the kitchen, just me and her, and had a quiet word, a polite word, saying, I don't know if you realise what you just said, but, and then I explained the reasons why it hurt and what have you. Oh, right, that's fine. So she went away. Did she apologise or was she just going, oh, right, oh, right, sort of thing? Uh, yeah, she just said, oh, oh, right, you know, sort of, yeah, I understand, blah, 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 blah. Um, very, very politician-esque. <laughs> it was very politician-esque, yeah. And then the next day, you know, it happened again. So I was getting really upset. And then things came to a head because in the main area of the house, I was actually having a kip under this blanket on, the, on one of the sofas. And um, Amanda Barry walked in and was talking to somebody. I can't remember. I think she was talking to Rachel and what have you. And I was ignoring the conversation. I wasn't even listening. But then they started talking about, he said this, he said that, he said that. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder who they're talking. And then I listened a bit more. And then the penny dropped that they were actually talking about me. Mm. So I I went nuts. I'd, I'd had enough by then. And I just jumped out from under this blanket, erupted, um, went in the garden, had a good cry for about two or three hours, came in, dragged them all in the kitchen and told them, all of them, why it hurt and why it was painful. Um, But then they just, they ganged up on me. So they didn't want to know. But it was a tough experience. But... I'm still glad I did it, mm-hmm. Cal, because in that season, it was a bore. To be honest, I think it was the worst cast ever. I wish <laughs> I'd been in a little bit. They, they, they were just horrible people. Yeah. And when I was in, they had the. I was in the longest run ever for a first evictee. Normally, they kick somebody out after five days. I was in for mm. nearly two weeks. Um, 
I came out by myself, everyone else in that series, because there was a backlog, because they kept me in, had to come out in twos or threes. Um, and the ratings were highest during my time in the house. So <laughs> stick that up your pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what really frustrates me about it is that, okay, you've been, someone's misgendered you, you've pulled someone to one side, you've explained it to them, they've gone, well, whatever they've said, something like, I've been a writer, whatever it is you said, okay, fine. You've then explained to everybody, I am a woman, everybody knows it's all women in, and then they still have the audacity and obnoxiousness to refer to behind your back yeah, he said this he said that do you know i would rather someone say that to my face than i would but it's it's just nasty isn't it just if you're gonna it's, be it's just it's just nasty, it's just nasty. nasty. You, you've actually reminded me of something there because when, when you're in the house obviously you're not hearing or you know in real in reality you're only hearing the conversations you're directly involved with you're not aware of the conversations that are going on in the bedroom or the toilet or the garden of course. at the same time. But when you come out and have a look, obviously you, and you think, oh my God, how can that, per that person was saying this to me, yet two minutes later they were having a chat with such and such saying the other. And that's what Rachel was doing. Rachel Johnson, Boris Johnson's sister, actually kept disappearing. And I didn't realise until I came out, she, she'd agreed, which is against the whole principle of Big Brother. She was actually writing a column for her newspaper while in the house. And when she popped up, she was very friendly towards me the first day or so, because I thought, I think she sensed that I was the most unusual character in the first week mm -hmm. with everything happening. Yeah. So she wanted to be close to that in terms of tactics it's it's good for airtime um, and getting exposure but then she disappeared once and she came back and i can remember thinking you're you've just gone cold on me you know you literally walked out that door and you come back in and you you treat me a completely different way and it was because she'd gone out to file her copy on the um telephone but then obviously she said well how's everything going on and the daily mail had said oh well india's getting a lot of stick you know for what she's saying about lgbt and drag queens and what have you and so rachel comes in and immediately you're you're dumped yeah you know what i mean i don't want to be near you for those reasons you, she is ju knew. she's just been given the power of the edit sort of thing hasn't she of she's course. been told the power of the edit so it was a good experience carl it was great and i and i hope big brother comes back you know it's a massive franchise mm -hmm. i think it's still running in about 54 different territories yeah. um it's been a great thing for me I, I went on holiday a couple of years back um to spain uh and this chinese couple came over and said um are you india willoughby and I said, yeah. He says, oh, we, we really enjoyed you on Big Brother. And I've had other people, Americans and what have you, because the, the series, while they get shown here live, in some countries, they then get syndicated, you know, mm. on, on different um, cable channels and what have you. Yes. So it's been great. I've loved my involvement with uh, Big Brother. I, I made a lot of friends as well, not from my season, <laughs> but from people who've been on, on other seasons who got in touch subsequently and what have you. And it's a big family and, yeah, great program.
You're now a regular on the likes of This Morning and Good Morning Britain. But uh, you told me a story that, were you not, sir, you in the final two? Yeah, that's a few years back. That's um, that's when I got the job at Channel 4. That's actually in a roundabout sort of way how I got the job at Channel 5. Um just to rewind, this is this is at the period when I when I sort of thought enough is enough. I'm stopping my double life. I'm just going to be me. And why did I ever give up my job in TV in the first place? So I'd written around to various um, news channels to see if there were any openings. Um, got no reply whatsoever, mm-hmm. and then I sort of gate crashed. Um, I think it was on Facebook at the time. Um, one of my friends, who was a journalist, was telling this other girl about this job that was coming up at Good Morning Britain that would be ideal for her. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could sneak in <laughs> an application for that. So I did. I put in an application thinking nothing of it because at the time, you know, I was just like a local um, journalist who'd done this unusual thing. Uh, and I got invited down for a screen test and I got down to the last two wow. um, and then I had to go back for another screen test and then I came back up here uh, when I'm saying up here in Newcastle um, and it all went quiet for about three weeks and I was thinking I wonder what happened and then I got a call from the boss ITN at the time a guy called Robin Robin Elias um, and he said he said India I said I just want you to know um, we really want you you're the preferred candidate. He says, there's a bit of an issue though um, in that there's a difference of opinion between ITV and ITN. Mm -hmm. Now that Mm -hmm. might sound to people not in the know of television that they're one and the same thing, but actually ITV is the channel. So if you think of that as, I don't know, um, how would you think of that? You would think of that as Facebook maybe. So it's a platform. ITV is the platform. Um, But ITN is the actual company that makes things. Mm -hmm. So ITN make the news, but they put it on ITV. Yes. Two completely separate things. And they both had a difference um, of opinion. So he said, leave it with us. Um, You know, I'm sure everything will be okay. We'll see how it goes. And then they got in, <laughs> in touch a couple of weeks and I'm really sorry, you know, ITV won't change their mind. Oh my God. So I thought, oh, just a nightmare again. So I thought that had gone. But then, fortunately for me, a few weeks later, um, the boss at ITN, a lovely lady called Rachel Kaur, you'll see her name on the end of all the, um, the ITV news bulletins, Uh, She got in touch and asked me if I'd like to come down and uh, spend a few weeks there. And then one thing led to another, and that's how I got in at Channel 5. Fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. What's next for you, India? Let's say the the pandemic ended tomorrow, for argument's sake. What's next for you? Um, I don't know. I'm being absolutely honest here, Carl. I don't know. Um, I think you've got to be in London, you know, to do these types of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure whether I'm going to go back to London. I haven't decided yet. You're liking up north. Well, it's not that. I love London. I'm very happy down in London. But there's got, you know, I've got to be realistic. And for people, you know, like me, I'm not 
doing the sob story or, or what have you, but, but realistically, you know, I don't think diversity in TV terms applies to trans people. So I'm not sure whether there's, there's going to be mm. many openings. Plus, nowadays, everything's down the line in my walk of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, news stories, link-ups. If you watch all the daytime shows now, Good Morning Britain and uh, This Morning, etc., it's all done by Zoom or, or Skype. I don't know. What about you? What are you going to do? <laughs> well, just continue doing this podcast until gigs start coming back, I think. That's all I'm going to do. Keep, oh, hassle, you know keep hassling oh. people for podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're great at your comedy. <laughs> That's very well, you kind are. of you. I really you. enjoyed yours. I really enjoy your stuff. And going back to those times when we first met, we actually met in a place called... Um, the frog and parrot. Uh, yeah, the dog and parrot. Dog and parrot. The dog and parrot. The dog and parrot in Newcastle, which is a, a little comedy club. Yeah, um, yeah. And what have you. Oh, happy times. <laughs> Funny, we could go back to them, Carl. Oh, I wish. I absolutely wish. I've got one final question for you, India. Who of your celebrity friends would you like to see on this podcast? Um, Boy George. Boy George. <laughs> 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 He'd be great. Let me write boy George down here. There we go. Fabulous. India, thank you so much for coming on to the Cal Halbert podcast. It's a pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Love you. Love you too. The Cal Halbert podcast. And there we go. There's my interview with the fabulous India Willoughby. If you enjoyed it, please, please, please give it a share. And don't forget to subscribe to where all good podcasts are found. Well, basically, wherever you found us, please subscribe. And if you can, give us a five-star review. That really helps us out and lets people find us a lot easier. I shall see you next week, my friends. I don't know what song I'm going for. Play, Play the track. Yeah, dude. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calbert Media production.